going to agree with what uh, I most, almost all the time agree with what Jeff said. <laughs> Let's say all the time because you don't use those uh, big words that mean all inclusive there. But he shared this morning. He just was so thankful for all that the church did. He couldn't even list that off. I've gotten tremendous. I just on your behalf as a church, I want to give you just gotten lots of reports back of how well everything went on Friday and then even yesterday, the different things that were going on around Norm's funeral. Um, I want to personally thank you for the prayers that were put up on my behalf this week as I had several speaking engagements and meetings and stuff and then the funeral on Friday and even prepping for today. I got lots of uh, uh, emails and texts and stuff throughout the week saying thinking of you, praying for you. And I just want to say again, one of the coolest things about all that is there, I had to do things this week in the building that I don't normally do anymore. And it was a little rusty. And actually that was a good thing because that means there's a lot of people that are doing things that I used to have to do. And now other people just know what they're doing in that. And the whole thing is, there's another time there's, I got two or three questions throughout the week and then as we got into the weekend about what's going on with the meal. <laughs> like, I don't have a clue what's going on with the meal. And you know what, but that went off without a hitch as well. It was really cool to see set up people here way beforehand, the day before to get things ready, and then as the meal got done, the servers were all there, and as the meal got done, people magically showed up to clean up and take care of stuff and put it away. And all of those things, when we as a church body worked together, the body of Christ worked together to do something like we did for the family, but, but for the kingdom of God actually on Friday with the message that was shared, it's a sweet aroma to the Lord, and it allows him to be able to fully engulf meetings like that with his presence. And I just want to say thank you to that. And I want to say, you know, obviously the other things you did too to bless the family is a huge thing as well. Um, so I started last week a series, well not a series, a follow-up bunch of messages to go with where we've been uh, entitled Along the Way. And I entitled today Along the Way with Norm Thomas and there's an ex a story in all this because this is not anywhere is where I thought I would preach last Sunday and even Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday. But things drastically changed on Thursday. Um, I said last week that uh, God does a lot of his teaching and training in our lives along the way. Um, it's not always the big event. It's not always when there's a crisis and our life comes to a halt. There's some of that. But much of what God uses to teach and train us comes through the things that we encounter along the way in life. And as a church and as people here at Grace Community Church, we had an along the way moment in recent weeks. And specifically in the last week and a half and then very directly this weekend. Um, from Norm's diagnosis letting everybody know that he had a short time left on earth. The visits from him being in church most of the time to not at all, and then going through with the funeral and the family yesterday with burial, all of that is an along-the-way moment. Yes, there was some prep, and yes, it was big and all those things there, but that's not the last person in our church that's going to pass away unless Jesus comes like right now. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Yeah. It would be great, wouldn't it? But I'm saying if, God, if, Jesus, if Jesus doesn't return for years, we're going to have more people from our church that pass away. But I'll tell you, it was a blessed experience to walk through that with Norm, to walk through that with his family that's here with us this morning, and to be a part of that service and all those things. Now, 
Like I said, his death, his funeral, his burial occurred along the way. And it totally changed where I was going this morning. I'm still talking along the way, and I will throughout this thing. But I was wrestling with, on Thursday morning, you've got to look at my normal routine throughout the week, is on Tuesdays, I usually sit down and I pray and seek the Lord a little bit, and then I, I, I get an idea of maybe where, where the message is supposed to go. And so, but this week was totally off, because I told you too, I had to speak at Faith Fellowship on Wednesday, plus Tuesday morning I had a pastor's meeting that I was in charge of. So my whole regular prep week was totally a wreck, if you will. And I get pretty good into routine, and when that is out of whack, I start sweating last Sunday already about, okay, how's this going to come? But one thing the Lord told me was, just do the next thing. Be ready for the next thing. So I got to Tuesday, I came back, and I was fully hoping and expecting to be able to sit down and prepare Sunday message on Tuesday, and then go into funeral after that, or no, go to the, the faith fellowship thing after that, but that's not what happened. As I came back from the, from the meeting there, I was like, no, what I need to do is just get ready for the next thing I've got to do, which is Wednesday morning. So I prepped that, and when I got done with that, I don't remember all that happened, but that's as far as I got on Tuesday. So I'm still not any closer to being ready for the funeral or Sunday, and I'm like, starting to get close. We met with Deb on Tuesday, I think it was afternoon, talked about what to do, and had a good thing there. And I told you before, I had a lot of stuff prepped ahead of time. I had some different things that the Lord put on my mind a week or two ago. So Thursday morning, I'm sitting in my chair in my office, and there's two chairs. One's where I do the actual work, the other's where I just kind of sit and ponder and read and do things like that. So I'm sitting in the pondering chair, if you will. <laughs> and I'm just, I'm, I'm thinking of a myriad of stuff that's going through my mind, and all of a sudden, it's all kinds of new stuff that wasn't in the original preparations. And I'm immediately confronted with this fact. It's like, God... There's no way all that's going to fit in that funeral on Thursday. There's just not time. And I'm really wrestling. And then, I, then my mind immediately shifts over and goes, well, what about Sunday? What, which Bible story am I going to use for Sunday's message? What am I going to do? And in that moment, I felt the still small voice in my spirit saying, why would you bother trying to find what Bible story to use? You've already got more stuff than you can fit in the funeral, and it will all fit really well for a church family that has walked through this together and there's still things to be said and to be done and to be learned in this process. So I rested on that one. I did talk to a couple people. I actually called Deb and asked if it would be okay if I would do what I'm going to do this morning. Um, and so I, uh, I, I uh, believed that that was of the Lord and I started to act on that. And so the message was changed this message this morning was changed because of events that occurred in my life along the way. Um, there are some examples and lessons, lots of them, but a few today that I think that, that come out of Norm's life that will fit very well where we're at as a church, where we've been, and where we're going. Um, for those that don't know, Norm was a part of this church, because there's people listening in that wouldn't know who Norm Thomas is. Norm was a part of this church, and it... Uh, that also happened along the way of several of your lives. So those that know him, you can, you can think back in time, when did you know him? And at, at the funeral it was stayed, and I believe it's true this morning, there are people that knew Norm before he knew Christ and knew Norm after he knew Christ and can make the two comparisons there. Um, again, uh, but there, for those of you that never met Norm, that listen in, but you don't know who he is because you're maybe not even from our community, um, Norm uh, grew up in this community. Grew up in the Adams area. He did business 
in this area. He owned businesses in the area. He had many, many friends in this community. His family is very well known in this community. And then beyond that, too, he was a member of this church. Um, and I, like I said, some of the lessons that I, I'm going to share with you this morning uh, go very well for what we, where we have been as a church, the messages, the theme that God seems to have us in so far in 2021. Those themes so far have been love God with your whole being. And then as you love God with your whole being, God does this amazing thing where he transforms our hearts, our very hearts, and he takes a, a heart of, of stone that's cold and soft, isn't it? So it's, it's like his heart. And this other, another theme has been that we have, we were compelled and we have an obligation and a call to go and tell others of the good things that God has done. And so I want to look at some lessons um, that uh, we're aware of and, and, and that, that, that we should be confronted with along the way here at GCC. I'm going to start out the first part of here. The first thing I want to talk to you is, uh, um, uh, can you give me whatever I need back there so I can click? Maybe just click on it once. There you go. Let's see what... You might have to follow along to this. For whatever reason, not let me click, but that's okay. I'll just tell you when, when to go forward. Um, a tale of two, two men. <clears throat> and this still, this, 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 what I'm going to share with you next illustrates the vital importance of telling others and inviting others to, whether it be to walk with Jesus or even just to come to church or come to a meeting with you. Norm didn't always go to church. He hadn't always had the close walk with God that many of us know that we, we, we say is synonymous with Norm Thomas. That was not always the case. Um, it was clearly stated at his funeral that there was a big change in Norm's life when he came to Christ in the early 80s. Um, the things that God had placed in him at conception that were part of him, his kindness, his generosity, were there before Christ. They remained after Christ, but they grew in significance, and he used those things for the kingdom. Okay, There were things, and this was also stated at the funeral, there were things, though, in Norm's life, believe it or not, that needed to go after he met Christ. He wasn't perfect. He wasn't this, you know, uh, flawless human being. I guarantee you he wasn't even a flawless human being the day, the day he died. He didn't become flawless until he ended up where? In heaven. When the effects of sin are gone. He was forgiven. And God didn't see the flaws, but people, probably the closer you were to him, you probably saw some of those flaws. And that's okay, that's just the way we all are. But uh, there were things definitely before Christ that God put his hand on that needed to go. Norm told me that specifically in the last month of his life. He told me that when I came to Christ, Kyle, and what I was doing before I was a Christian, those things had to go. There had to be a cease of certain actions and behaviors. Shared at his funeral. Most of us knew Norm as the man that was our brother in Christ, a member of the church, a home group leader, a man who exuded the fruit of the Spirit. Listen very clearly. Just close your eyes for a second and listen to these words and you judge whether Norm Thomas exuded the fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Norm had those fruits exhibited in his life, and they ever were increasing in measure. 
But how did Norm come to Christ? How did Norm come to Christ? I asked him that question a couple weeks ago, a few weeks ago. How did you ever, tell me your journey to Christ and how you got to Grace Community Church or got to, to God in the first place. And he immediately said this, it was because of John Zare. You say, who's John Zare? Some people know really well who John Zare is. He's got some, let's see, he's got, some, he's got, a, he's got a daughter-in-law in the room today and some grandsons. Okay. Now, the unfortunate part, the grandsons never got to meet John. See, John, John grew, believe it or not, John grew up in this church as a boy. That was long before this building existed. This was a farmer's field at that time. That was way back when we used to meet down in Woodville, long before the only person that would have been at church back then would have been my mother and Adeline at some point. I don't know exactly when Adeline came in, her family did, but that goes way back and predates almost all of us. See, my mother grew up in this church as a child, and so did John, okay? John's parents were a big part of the early formational things about our church forming and growing. Not the only ones, but part of that, okay? Um, the, the reality is, though, at some point, I don't know why, I'm not here to tell you why or to try to explain why, but at some point, John stopped coming to church. And I would assume that he at least wandered a bit from his faith, and maybe a lot. I don't know. I'm not here. I don't want to speculate. I don't want to say that, but that's just the reality of what it was. Soon after, my father, sitting here in the front, actually started to pastor this church, and he came in like in, the, in 78, um, in, the late, in the late 70s. Soon after he started pastoring here, John's wife, Joanne, at the time, came back and started attending church again. For her, for the first time, started attending Woodville Church. And my parents told me, as I was talking to them this week, trying to get some detail on this, um, and she was burdened. Dad started to visit her in the home. He would come down once a week to do visitation. One of the stops he would make is to visit Joanne, and he would encourage her because she was, really had questions and was interested in how can I be obedient to God, and how can I make him the Lord of my life, and how can I walk with him and know all these things. And so Dad would would start to, to visit there, and then she was burdened for her husband, asking the question, how can I, how can I encourage John to, to take a lot, to take a step into faith, and can, how can I encourage him to come to church with me in those things? And they used to pray about that. Dad said, after a while, at one point, John started to sit in those visitation times. And then John made the decision he made, I don't know what that was, don't know, don't, doesn't matter, but I would assume there was some kind of a recommitment between him and God, and he started to come back, come to church again, and he made a commitment, a, a fresh commitment of faith in his life, and, and I asked him this, because this is where I would remember now, when John made that commitment, he was all in. He was all in. It was, that was the most important thing in his life. John was actually selected as one of the first, elder, one of the first three elders of the church. Um, shortly, rather rapidly after he was diagnosed, he passed away. Right at, almost right after he was, was uh, put in as an elder, um, he, I don't know if he functioned, he may have functioned, it's kind of hard, with the, the timetable is a little fuzzy, but it was not, if he did function, it was, it was not for very long. And he passed away soon after that selection. Norm came to Christ because of John's heir. Obviously, it was God and the Holy Spirit pulling it, but there's almost always 
people involved in that process that are God's vessel or, or what God chooses to work through. You see, Norm had John, and I got, if you saw my notes, this is my statement. They had done things together. Some of you know what those things were because you might have been right there with them or, or around. I don't know, it doesn't matter, but they did things together. They knew each other. And when John grew close to God, whatever that process looked like, he started to invite Norm to come to church with him. Norm told me he invited him over and over and over and over and over again. He kept after him. You've got to come to church with me. Will you come to church with me? Norm said that each time the invitation came, he always had an excuse. These are things that Norm told me, things that, would go, things that he used. Well, Sunday is my only day to rest from my busy work week. That was an excuse he used. Uh, he told me this too, in all honesty. He said, sometimes the things that I had been doing on Saturday night made it so I didn't feel like going to church on Sunday morning. Sometimes it was I have previous plans, things I can't get away from, that I can't come to church. But Norm told me that every time he had an excuse, John kept asking, and John kept asking. And then Norm looks, stops at me, he's telling me the story, he stops me and he goes, and then one day, Kyle, he asked me, and I didn't have any more excuses. They were gone. So I went. <laughs> and how people talk to him, he says, and I liked it. <laughs> Just plain I liked it. So I continued to go. You see, as that went on, Norm then made a commitment. God used church and the people there at the time and a now, again in my notes, in quotations, a now famous Bible study held by someone else who's in heaven with Jesus right now, Tom Williams, to disciple Norm in his faith. It wasn't just the church. It wasn't just my father. It wasn't just his friend. It wasn't just John. There was a whole litany of people that when he came to church and plugged in and made a commitment to Christ, there were many, many individuals that were involved in discipling and helping Norm grow in his faith. There's a lesson in all that for us. Don't give up. Don't give up what? Don't give up inviting and asking other people to come to church with you or to come to Christ. Don't stop praying for people to come to Christ. Don't stop telling them, them, them of all that God has done for you. Even if there are regular excuses that change every time you ask. Keep asking. Keep after it. This is not the only story that people could tell, probably in the room, or that are connected to Grace Community Church, or that are Christians in general. It's not the only person that could tell a story of multiple invitations prior to them finally saying, yes, I'll come to church, or more importantly, yes, I'll come to Christ. I don't know what the statistics are, but I don't think it's very high that the first time person's asked to come to Christ and say, I'm in. Because usually there's a huge undoing of all kinds of stuff that we have to get past that we can understand our need for a savior if john would have given up on norm after one or two or three tries because he's always got excuses what would have happened i'd like to believe that somebody else would have picked up and invited and it would have happened anyhow but the bottom line is we don't know because john kept asking 
And a lot of what has happened in the last week, the last month, the last years in Norm's life, you know, it's being interesting when, he get, when Norm gets to heaven and he sees John, does he say, thank you. I don't know what that looks like in heaven. I don't want to say that definitely happened because I don't know. Maybe that's the last thing on their mind. They're there, just there, and there's bigger things to do, which is sit at the feet of Jesus and praise him. I don't know. I don't know. Okay, let's pick up another one. A couple of illustrations now. S- illustrations of scriptures that we can pull, we can look at the scripture and then, and then reflect back on, on some things from Norm, Norm's life. Okay, the first one is in Matthew chapter, uh, you can click the next one. There's actually quite a few you can follow along. This is Matthew chapter 6. I'll start with verse 25, so you can read along on the screen with me. Therefore I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you'll eat or drink, or about your body, what you'll wear. Isn't life more than food, and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you of much more value than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They don't labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So don't worry, saying, so don't worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after these things and your heavenly fathers knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. That's okay. She's excited, so she's right on ahead of that, keeping us moving along here. How about all these things? Seek first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added. Well, it told us about all these things. All these things are all those things that are in your life. Basically, it's your life. Your life is all those things that God will add to you. Having adequate clothing, adequate food, all the necessities of life, all those things that you, you think, man, I've got I've to work today or go to work or I, 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 I've got to save my money because there's things that I'm going to need. I'm not talking about wants. I'm talking about needs. Okay. But the Bible instructs us not to worry about them. Actually, the Bible goes a step further. Calls on us to observe the animals around us. Observe the birds here in the springtime. And we clearly see that God takes care of their needs. They just do what animals do, which is find food wherever they find it and do what they do, and and that's all built in there and it's all provided for them. We're also told in this passage that as humans, we are much more valuable to God than the animals are. And I know that's very distasteful in our culture today, but that's what God said, and it's true. That human beings are the crowning achievement of his creation that are made in his image. Animals are not made in his image. There's a part of us that carries the image of God himself. And when he said, Jesus said that, are you not much more valuable to God than they are? And he says in that, so clearly, because of that value, God is going to take care of our needs. It also goes into saying basically this, I'll tell you this, worrying about those things isn't going to help at all. In fact, it will shorten your life. 
and it'll make things worse. Worrying never helps. Doing something about it in action is different, but sitting there and stewing and worrying never helps. It makes it worse. And then it goes on to say another one. This hurts a little bit, especially as Christians. Jesus said, it's the pagans that chase after those things and worry and obligate themselves to those things. Those who aren't followers of Jesus that are obsessed with all those things, that are obsessed with building their lives around them. Basically, Jesus was telling us that as followers of Christ, we're supposed to be different. Things like that shouldn't be what drives us. The needs of life are not the things that are supposed to drive us every day. They're supposed to be something else. And he goes on and says this. He says to, you can click forward, yeah, seek God in his kingdom. God tells us to seek him in his kingdom first. That's to be my priority and that's to be your priority. It's the first thing that we should think about in all that we do. God has promised that if we put him first, he will take care of all those other things. Note that that's a totally different approach. Totally different approach than what we see and are taught and see modeled in the world. The world always looks at the, these, the, all those things first and then if there's anything left, then God. God says, no, me first, my ways first, and I will take care of the other things. What about Norm? Norm did that. Norm put God first. Norm put his relationship with God first. He made it his priority. Norm also devoted his life to seeking and doing what God wanted him to do. In his career and his job, what to do with his time in relationships and activities. Doing so, as I shared in the funeral, doing so seemed questionable by some. When he sold his house, that beautiful house everybody talked about with the pool parties, he sold it and bought a camper to live in. When he decided to mow lawns for a living, for those that didn't hear, why would a sharp, experienced businessman seek to mow lawns for others when at the time nobody was hiring people to mow their lawns? That's common today. There's lots of lawn care companies. I don't think there were. In fact, I lived at that time. You know, you know who mowed your lawn if you hired it? People like me who were in junior high. <laughs> and you had your own mower and your own gas and you gave the kid 10 bucks, 15 bucks, 20 bucks or 10 bucks in a glass of lemonade, 10 bucks in a soda, and he was happy. Well, my first job was mowing a lawn. But to buy lawnmowers in a trailer and then seek to find clients to do so, mm, questionable. And a lot of people questioned Norm's judgment when he made that decision. <laughs> and I said to him, I'll, I'll tell you, he told me the story. He said, I was working on my house one day, up there on that house before they had sold it. Um, I'd sold the store which is a different building down here. It's now the De Laval store down there. He's the one that built that. It was a grocery store with a gas station out front eventually and all that. They sold that, had no job, no income. And Norm said, at the beginning of that, all I got from God is, don't be in a hurry. I'll show you. Well, that's easy on day one. But it continued to lag on. And he said he's working in the house and he's starting to get a little bit nervous. And he says, 
So I'm praying, God, what are we supposed to do? He'd been praying for a while, but I think he'd get more urgent. What are we supposed to do? And then as he's working on the house, I think he was in that great room doing something, he says, this little voice inside of him says, you need to mow lawns for other people for a living. <laughs> and I'd love to tell you that he just said, okay, let's go do that. And it's like, oh, no, that's, that's nuts. That can't be you, God. There's just no way that can be you. I must be dreaming that up. So he pushed it off came back again, pushed it off, came back again. And then he proceeds after he, he knows he's confident that it's God speaking. He goes, I, I've got to go tell Linda, his wife at the time, that God just told me this. He's like, I don't want to do that because she's going to think I'm crazy. So he goes and tells her, Linda, I've just been praying and I think that God has told us that we're supposed to launch. She gets a smile on her face and says, you know, I've been praying about that and that's exactly what he told me we're supposed to do is mow lawns for a living. God led him and Linda to do that thing. And they developed a lot more relationships to shine for Jesus along the way. And that followed too after Linda died. It continued on. Deb and her first husband, Ron, actually mowed lawns. And then Norman and Deb mowed lawns together. And there's a common theme. And as much as it was a pain sometimes because of the weather and everything, lots and lots of opportunities to bless people. God held true to his promise to Norm. Prospered Norm in that business. Took care of the needs. Why? Because God put Norm, or not God, well, God did put Norm first in that sense, but Norm put God first. And God, if you seek first and follow after me and obey, I'll take care of all the other things. Now, a second one. This is uh, 2 Corinthians right there on the screen. Look how fast she is. That's great. She's one step ahead of me. This is 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 11 through 21. Let's read that together. Since then, we know what it is to fear the Lord. We try to persuade others. What we are is plain to God, and I hope it's also plain to your conscience. If we are out of our mind, as some say, it is, say it's for God. If we're in our right mind, it's for you. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we don't do that any longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old is gone, the new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Norm was a very good example of being an ambassador for Jesus Christ. His life was ex an example of someone who followed Jesus. It showed in his actions, his attitudes, his decisions, his choices. Uh, Gary um, Clark shared this when he was, uh, before he sang, uh, words of St. Francis Assisi. Preach the gospel at all times, and if necessary, use your words. Norm's life preached the gospel made it very easy for me to stand up and give a gospel message because he had lived it for so long. 
and, and there was a readily available. Not perfect. I'm not saying he was perfect even after he was saved because nobody is perfect and everybody still has flaws. But for the most part, there's a lot of things that you could see, the difference that Christ made. But I want to go beyond that. Um, <clears throat> and it's not to say that by his actions and living his life that he never used words because he did tell people at times. And he prayed for people. And he was, did all those things there. But some of his actions spoke very loud. He went halfway around the world, funded his own trips to take Bibles to people he'd never met and never would meet in China, but he met them in heaven. So that they would be able to do that. They would be able to be trained and grow in their faith and be discipled and then be able to lead other people to Christ. Norm's wish, when he knew he was leaving this world for heaven, was... And I told her at the funeral, I'll tell you guys again. He walked up to me and walked me out the door that first day when we were talking about funeral. And we had talked about funeral and a couple different things there. But as we walked, and he didn't say too much at that moment. But we walked up to, he walked up to let me out of the house. He walked over to me and stopped and looked me square in the eye and said, it has to have a strong gospel message. You've got to share a strong gospel message. He was concerned for his family's eternal destiny. He was concerned for his friend's eternal destiny. He didn't see them any longer from a worldly point of view. And that's what it said there, as ambassadors of Christ. He didn't see them from a worldly point of view. He didn't see them any longer. And he wasn't being negative and condescending on anyone, but he didn't see them as just people who were good, good people, or better than others. And that's actually something that, to be honest with you, if I can say something, that's one thing that used to frustrate me a bit about Norm sometimes. He was so positive He'd have a person and he would say, well, they're just a really good person. And I'm like, I wanted to grab him by the ear sometimes. and says, it doesn't matter if they're good people. They don't know Jesus. But it's interesting. When he got close to heaven, it was being good not enough. And he wanted to make, he wanted to make sure that people knew that. That just being a good person wasn't enough. You just don't automatically go to heaven. He knew that everybody needs Jesus as Savior. It's as if that not only did God make his plea through Norm while he walked this earth as he lived out his life and gave an example of Christ, as he actually shared the good news and shared and prayed for people and did those things like that, it's as if that God was making his plea through Norm even in his dying wishes, even after he was dead and gone and in heaven. God still, even today, is making his plea to people to come to Christ through Norm. And that message was what? Be reconciled to God. That's the message. Be reconciled to God. Everyone must be reconciled to God by coming to Christ for forgiveness of sins. I want to tell you, you and I have also been given that same ministry. That's just not unique to Norm because he was a good person or because he walked with God for years and years. That's for everybody, and Fred said it in, 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 the mess, in his Sunday school lesson this morning. That's for everybody who comes to Christ and, and makes a commitment to follow Christ, along with that comes, is carrying the message of reconciliation to the people around us and whoever we can share it with. Be reconciled to God. To implore people to come to Christ. And realizing deep down that God desires to make his appeal through us to others. I want to strongly encourage each one of us to take the urgency that Norm had in that last month of life extremely seriously. Norm's not famous, well, he's somewhat famous in Jefferson County. Lots of people knew him, but he's not famous. Unfortunately, 100 years from now, 
probably won't even, aside from his people that do genealogies, if Jesus is tarried that long, won't remember who Norm Thomas was. Doesn't mean he wasn't, didn't do significant things. But if we had somebody who's famous, we always flock to find out what were their dying words? What were the last things that they said? I just want to bring to you, of all the requests that Norm could make, of all the things that were important enough for him to stand up and saying, this is what I want people to know. The most important thing to him was one final opportunity to let people know that they needed Jesus as Savior. That they could actually know true peace and true joy for eternity through relationship with Jesus Christ and wanting them to know that that's the only way. When somebody, that's all they're asking for and that's what their drive is, we need to take that seriously especially as fellow Christians, because we often think about what we're going to feel at the end and what's going to be the most important thing at the end. But we just had a dear brother in Christ who we knew personally, who we walked with, and to see what was important to him at the end, there's a loud lesson that for us. And if it's for nothing more, to honor him by actually taking what was his wishes in that sense and us walking that out on his behalf. Not just to his family and friends, but to our family friends, and then getting a jump start because I think if we have the heart of God, if we have the same opportunity in the last month of life to know that we're getting close to the end, we'll say the same things. And we'll desire the same thing to happen at our funeral to make sure that everybody knows. So one final word. Let me see. It's about this long in my notes, so just so you know. Okay. I'm going to share with you some word, the words of uh, Paul in 1 Corinthians. But I want you to listen to them as if Norm was telling you this morning. In other words, if we could have this, this moment where we could hear Norm's voice from heaven, or if he could have it pre-recorded, which maybe I should have done that, but unfortunately I didn't figure all this stuff out until yesterday, <laughs> to be honest with you, when all this was finished. That's when this part came. Um, I wanna, I'm going to read this to you, and you can listen to it as if Norm. It's 1 Corinthians 10, 33 through 11, 1. I'm not seeking my own good, but the good of many, so that they may be saved. Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Let's not seek only what's good for us. Let's not seek, let's, let's seek what's good for those around us. Norm was generous with a servant's heart. He was like that before Christ but he was even more so that way after Christ. We should do that, which is live generously and be good because that's like oil that lubricates things, spiritually speaking. It can provide the, the, the avenue so it's not a friction-fold thing if we do share the gospel by being generous and being kind and good. It's like smoothing out a road, getting rid of the rocks, removing the ruts, shortening or widening a curve so it's easier to traverse, removing all the obstacles, being kind and good. Take that example from Norm. Be kind and good. Have the smile like he had because then when you do share the gospel, it's likely that you maybe have, by that, those things ahead of time have removed some of the obstacles. But the real purpose is this, not to be good for being good's sake or being generous for generous sake because you know what? There's a lot of people in the world that are good. I'm sure you'll hear that all the time. I'm sure you've been to funerals where a person didn't know Jesus and said they were such a good person. And nobody would debate that. But the bottom line is that's not enough. 
Let's not be good for sake of being good and having people remember us for being good or generous for being remembered for being generous. Let's be good and generous because the real purpose is so that people will come to Christ and be saved. To come to Christ for forgiveness, to make him the Lord of their life. Let's follow the example. The example that, if Norm could say that, follow my example, guys, as I follow the example of Christ. Norm was a life, Norm's was a life well lived for God. Not perfect again, but very well lived. Putting God first in all things whenever possible. Striving to do so. Striving to trust God for his provision. Striving and working to not follow the patterns of the world. Laid that aside and spent the rest of his life learning how to leave the world stuff aside and pursue God. And striving to have God's heart for the people around us, family, friends, and co-workers, and other people. Realizing this, that their biggest need is to know Jesus as Lord and Savior. I'm going to take some time right now, just a little bit of silence, to reflect on all these things, and maybe even to talk to God about it. But take some time right now, and again, I want you to pray. Now is a great time for you to pray for your family and your friends that don't know Jesus. Take some time and pray and remember John's there and don't give up praying. Don't just do it today. Pray tomorrow and the next day and the next day. Every day until either they come to Christ and then you can change it that they'll mature or until you're no longer able to pray anymore. Take some time right now to talk to God about your need to have a change of priorities. Remembering that Norm had to give certain things up after he came to Christ and God put his hand on those things and you and I are no different. Take the time to ask God to give you opportunities to tell people around you the most important information that they'll ever hear, that the way to heaven and peace is through Jesus Christ. And play, pray for boldness and consistency and continuing to invite people around you to church, but more importantly, the relationship with Christ. Just talk to God for a bit, for a second. You put those things before him, priorities and all. Heavenly Father, we thank you for so many things that make today possible, make this message possible, make this weekend possible. Lord, we thank you for, for your infinite wisdom to bring Norm Thomas into southern Jefferson County at the time that he lived, that our lives could be affected by that. We thank you for bringing John Zare into this area too at a time, whether we've met him or not, but we are here today, Lord, blessed because of the fruit that came from his life as well and his simple decision to, to not give up inviting someone like Norm. Lord, I pray, we thank you for those things specifically. Thank you that, that John knew you and walked with you and made it his life's cry to bring as many as he could to heaven with him. We thank you, Lord, for Norm coming to Christ, Lord, and him dedicating himself to to use his generosity, his kindness, his goodness for your kingdom, Lord, to do what he could to bring others into heaven and to make it possible for them to know you. Thank you, Lord, that his heart was soft even at the end, and, and, and not just soft but also strong, to want people to know the truth about salvation. Lord, I pray that those that knew both of those men that are hearing these things would be pricked in their hearts 
to follow that example, to take that seriously. Lord, I pray that each one of us would have the same heart for others that we saw exhibited in Norm at the end there, Lord, where, where our heart bleeds and cries for the eternal well-being of our family and friends. And Lord, I pray that we would do what we can while we have time to affect them for the kingdom of God. Lord, it's perfectly okay for us to mourn the loss of people that have gone before us. I pray that you'd remind us regularly what they're, you know, even to, to dream a bit about what they're experiencing right now at your feet, safely home, free from the, the bondage of sin, free from all the physical ailments of this world and the pain and the suffering, and actually their faith is sight. In some ways, Lord, allow us to be jealous of that a bit because we long for the same things. Lord, I pray that also every, all of us listening, seeing, hearing, would realize that we too can go to be in that place, but it requires a commitment to you. Give us the boldness and the confidence to make those decisions, to step forth, to put you to the test when you said to seek you first, and you'll add all those things. Help us to do that very thing, to seek you, and then have faith and trust that you will take care of our needs. And Lord, I pray also that, that these, these two lives we've talked about, predominantly Norm's, but also we've mentioned John, that we would, we would be inspired by their example. Not because of their humanness, Lord, but because the parts of them that were redeemed by Christ and the actions they took because of their faith in you. Let that inspire us to do likewise with the years that we have left on this earth. Use us as your vessels. We pray for your direction. We pray for the opportunities and the ability to see those opportunities. And Lord, we trust and believe that the results are in your hands as we share and do our part, that you're going to send your spirit to open the hearts and minds and draw people to yourself and lead them in the decisions that they need to make. We thank you for these things in Jesus' name. Amen. We've got a closing song, which is a very good response to this message this morning about asking God to take our lives and let it be a sacrifice to him, if you will. But I want to say another thing. is there's, uh, And I forgot about this, but it's a very fitting thing. Again, I'm just going to put this right out there. If you're looking for opportunity to put these things into action to be able to tell other people, we are doing something a little different this year with all the ball field stuff going on. We have made a decision that as a church, we are going to start all of those home games here with a welcome, a short devotional, and a prayer. So in the next couple weeks, I'm going to be out in the foyer after church at a table with a sign-up sheet. We're going to provide, the, we're working right now at getting a devotional, so you don't have to cook that part up. But many of you have either played baseball in this community, coached baseball in this community, had or have kids that play baseball in this community, are teachers of this community, and you know people in this community. This is a wonderful opportunity for you to take a chance to stand up in front of your peers in the community, tell them you go to this church, tell them that you're glad they're there, and then read a devotional that shares there's more to it than just baseball in a good club. But God, God is interested in who they are and where they are today and then lead in the prayer. So that's coming in a couple weeks. You think and pray about that. That's only one example of the things that you could do and that I can do to affect our community. God has given us, we've just become convinced as we talked about this in the last week or so, we're convinced that God has placed that opportunity right before us. Let's be good stewards of that opportunity and 